Um, we're uh, in a series called Faith for Life, um, where we're going, it's an Old Testament series really, but we're using Hebrews 11 as our kind of launch pad, as it were. These are mini biographies, learning from the stories of ordinary people of faith who had faith in God to help us as people to persevere through life. If you, you don't have to be a Christian for very long to realize you're going to go through times of struggle, <laughs> times of suffering, you're going to find setbacks, you're going to have periods of stagnation in your walk with God. And these mini biographies are there to help us to persevere in our faith and to help us walk with God through them. And today we're thinking specifically about the struggle of, uh, by faith, being a blessing to our children. As maybe if you've got children yourself, perhaps you've got grandchildren being a blessing to them. Children that we're related to, but we're thinking as well about our children here at Life Church Beckles. And we're thinking about the children of our community and thinking about their future um, by faith. Jesus says, doesn't he, let the little children come to me. And then what does he say? And don't hinder them. <laughs> it's almost like he's saying, the children will come to me, yeah, but just don't get in the way. <laughs> just don't get in the way. Let the little children come to me. Just don't hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And uh, so we want to think about how we can do that well by looking at the story of Isaac. We're in Genesis 27 uh, to 28, verse 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a huge passage to read and that would be preach over. I've got a few other things to say, so I'm going to break it up a little bit. (coughs) It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he couldn't see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I'm old. I don't know the day of my death. Now then take your weapon, quiver your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may, and my soul may bless you before I die. Isaac's kind of warming up this uh, special moment of blessing, the blessing of Abraham that God had given to Abraham. He's now going to pass it on to one of his sons. And he wants to pass it on to his son that he favours, that his, is his favourite, he's besotted with Esau. And so he wants to pass it uh, on to him. It's a special, so they're going to have a meal together as father and son, special moment. That's how they bonded, actually, if you look over Genesis. There's one of the ways in which... Uh, sorry. Bear with us. As one of the ways that they'd uh, bonded as father and son in the past. Um, Verse 5. Now, Rebecca, um, that's Isaac's wife, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son. Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speaking to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them for delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. And the reason Rebecca's doing this is because there'd been a prophetic word over Esau and Jacob that the younger, uh, the older would serve the younger. And that the blessing that was given to Abraham 
to Isaac would now be passed on to Jacob, the younger, surprisingly, over um, Esau. Lovely. Thank you. That's really helpful because uh, um, I'm pretty much deaf in this ear, so I can't tell whether I'm shouting or not. So if I do, I might either be excited about the point I'm making or I just can't hear myself. <coughs> um, but Jacob said to his, uh, to Rebecca, his mom, uh, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. <laughs> what a thing to find in Scripture when you meet Esau and Jacob. <laughs> the funny thing to know about people, isn't it, through the Bible? Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to him, uh, seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. And then Rebecca goes and prepares the food and some goat hair for Jacob to wear to appear more Esau-like. And then we read on in verse 18. So he went into his father and said, my father, he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Obviously hearing his voice. Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel with you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, um, like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, bring, him, bring it near to me. I'm eating my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said this. He prays over his son. He says, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven. And the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. And those words are very similar to the words that were given to Abraham. He's passing on some of the blessing uh, given to Abraham through Isaac. Now on to uh, Jacob who he thinks is Esau. Esau returns at the end of this prayer, and he and, uh, he and Isaac realize that Jacob has duped them, that Jacob has now received the birthright, which was earlier in Genesis, uh, i.e. he's an heir of God's promises that flow through Abraham to Isaac and now to Jacob's line, and the blessings of God that were promised to Abraham. Esau cries bitterly about this. He pleads for a blessing, but Isaac says it's not possible. Esau hates Jacob as a result, plans to kill him, and Rebecca hears of this and warns Jacob, who's planning to flee. Before Jacob flees, he prays, um, Isaac prays this prayer over Jacob. And he says, God Almighty, bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. And thus, Isaac sent Jacob away. It's quite a messy story, really, isn't it? Um, and Isaac, in many ways, when you read the story, you think he isn't a particularly great example of faith. 
And yet here he pops up in Hebrews 11 as an example of faith. He's got a physical blindness, which is representative of his blind favoritism towards his son Esau over Jacob. He deceived himself into thinking um, that Esau should be favoured and ignored what God had spoken over his children back in chapter 25, that the older should serve the younger. He thought it was his blessing to give to uh, Jacob uh, rather than God's blessing. He tried to fix it for his children. He tried to manipulate God's blessing for Esau. He failed to confront Esau because he so loved him that when Esau went a bit awry, um, Isaac doesn't confront him and his folly in the way that he should. And he, in chapter 26, verse 7, we see him lying and lacking integrity. When you read Hebrews 11 and you read Genesis, Isaac strikes you as a man of mediocrity. <laughs> I'm not really building him up here. There's a whole preach about Isaac's faith in here. Just We'll, we'll get there in a second. But he's fairly unremarkable. There's great acts of faith, uh, including his birth and the sacrifice with Abraham. But in both roles, he's basically passive. He doesn't do anything to be born. And in the sacrifice, he complies, but he's not the initiator in it. Most of the, some of the characters we've seen so far in Genesis have got 12 chapters. Isaac's got two. And so in some ways, he doesn't seem particularly impressive. However, God still accepts the faith that Isaac did express. He still accepts the faith that Isaac did express. <coughs> Despite his many failings, and he's included here in Hebrews 11 um, as an example of faith. It says in Hebrews 11.20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future, or he invoked future blessings on them, it says in some. And the context of Hebrews 11 is that the church is facing persecution. That's a letter written to encourage believers to persevere. And some of the believers would have been worried about the effects of this kind of situation on their children. How are my children going to fare? We're facing all this uh, persecution, uh, harassment, hostility. Our belongings are being taken. Uh, people are shouting us down. How, how are our children going to handle being Christians, believers in this situation. Um, And so Isaac has something to tell us about having faith for the future of our children. And that's what we're going to focus on uh, today. So the first thing is this. We want to, by faith, aspire for our children to inherit heaven. I wonder what your Highest aspiration for your children, grandchildren, our children in there, our children out in the community. What is the highest aspiration that you have for them? What do you want for them most of all? Because by faith, one of Isaac's aspirations was for his children to inherit the promised land uh, that was promised to Abraham. I mean, Isaac does pray for other things, doesn't he? He prays for Jacob's material needs, fatness of the earth, plenty of grain or wine. But there was something greater Isaac had faith that his children would inherit heaven, the promised land. It was a primitive faith in heaven. And we see Galatians interpret it this way. The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It doesn't say, and to offsprings, referring to many, like Isaac and Jacob and so on, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And if you, then, are Christ's, you are Abraham's offspring. 
heirs according to the promise. So God's promises to Abraham are ultimately fulfilled, not in Isaac and Jacob, but fulfilled in Jesus for us. (coughs) God's promises to Abraham are fulfilled in Jesus. And then by faith in Jesus, we are Abraham's children, heirs of God's promise, that we will inherit the promised land of heaven with Jesus. That's what we're aspiring for. That's what our hope is based on. So what's our highest aspiration for our children, for your grandchildren, for the children in there, for out there in our towns and communities? Is it a great education in life? The best schools get the greatest results, the top degree from a good university? Is it financial security? It'd be all set up. You'd kind of leave them when you die with enough money from the assets that you have and from what you've left over, that they would be secure for life and not have to worry about money? Would it be sporting prowess and achievement? You know, really good sports lessons, tennis lessons, whatever it might be, so that they get good at something they find rewarding and enjoyable? Would it be a rewarding career? They feel like they're climbing the ladder, you know, getting to the top of their profession, having a significant influence on society? Perhaps it's a happy marriage. It's happiness and contentment in life. And it's not necessarily bad for us to want these things for our children, is it? Some of these things are good things. But lots of these things I just talked about don't apply to Jesus. He didn't have lots of those things I just mentioned. So we want to make the number one aspiration for our children a faith in Jesus inheriting heaven with him for eternity, enjoying eternity with him, the blessings of eternity in heaven with him. I love this book. I've got a couple of books to recommend this morning. This is the first one. Uh, In fact, I'll mention this one as well. If you're looking for a great children's Bible, perhaps looking for resources uh, for children. To be honest, this is actually quite good for adults as well. If you find the, diff- find the Bible difficult to read and you want to take it in bite-sized chunks, then that's actually quite good. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. In fact, any of Sally Lloyd-Jones' books are just fantastic. She does a brilliant job of just showing the Bible story and how it reveals Jesus from Old Testament all the way to the Revelation. Um, really fantastic. So well recommend that. And then I want to read from this. <coughs> it's called Wherever You Go. I want you to know, and I think it sums up what should be our highest aspiration for our children. I cried the first time I read this to my kids, so get the tissues at the ready. Listen, little one, I want you to know I have a big dream wherever you go. There's so much to do and so much to see. It's fun just to wonder about all you could be. Perhaps you'll fly planes that go whoosh right up high. Or maybe raise crops that grow tall as the sky. You could be a chef and make meals for a king. Or maybe on stage you'll perform as you sing. But whatever you do, wherever you go, I have a big dream. I want you to know. Perhaps you'll build houses with stone upon stone or help as a doctor and fix broken bones. You could be a teacher and read every day. Or maybe an artist who sculpts out of clay. If you sing or you cook, if you farm, teach or fly... If you know all about all the stars in the sky, whatever you do, wherever you go, I have a big dream. I want you to know. The world's a big place full of good things and bad. 
adventures await you, some happy, some sad. Sometimes you'll lose and come in last place. Sometimes you'll win with a smile on your face. You may fall in love or fall out of a plane, enjoy sunny skies or dance in the rain. If you go far away or stay close to home, if we chat face to face or talk on the phone, whatever you do, wherever you go, I have a big dream I want you to know. It's something exciting, something supreme. It's my greatest of hopes, my dream of all dreams. You might need to finish this. <laughs> I pray you love Jesus with all of your heart. Whatever you do, that's the right place to start. He made you, he loves you, he's good, kind and true. Jesus brings joy whatever you do. He died for your sin, he makes all things new. You can trust in his words, they're faithful and true. Walk with him, talk with him, day after day. Follow King Jesus, the life, truth and way. I love you so much, I want you to know, I'm cheering you on wherever you go. And whatever you do, wherever you start, I pray you love Jesus with all of your heart. Amen to that. (coughs) So what's your aspiration for your children, for your grandchildren? It's very easy to kind of set our sights on other hopes and dreams. Frankly, I don't care what my bank balance of my kids reads when they die. If they don't go to heaven... There's one thing that really matters, isn't it? Excuse me. All right. (coughs) The second thing. (coughs) Don't preach about children. That's the lesson. All right. Have faith in God uh, to bless. Perhaps you do really have that highest aspiration uh, for your children, grandchildren, and so on. But often in our good desire for our children to inherit the blessings that we've received by faith, we can try to unhelpfully forge their connection with God, can't we? can be overzealous, um, even a little forceful, trying to help them forge that connection with him. And this is something Isaac tried to do. He tried to manipulate God's blessings on his favourite Esau rather than on Jacob, who God was going to bless and said he would. And although uh, Isaac does uh, eventually surrender to God's purpose for the birthright and blessing, which go together to be over Jacob and his family. And so by faith, like Isaac eventually, we want to have faith and trust, don't we, in God's sovereign work to save our children. And sometimes we can mistake being faithful for our children, uh, to our children and teaching them about what faith in God looks like for a causal link between parenting for faith well and them becoming believers. Um, you can imagine perhaps the person who parented the best for faith. In fact, probably you know people or you yourself parented your children for faith. You read in the Bible, you prayed with them, you did all of that stuff. That doesn't necessarily mean they become believers. It's not a causal link. You, some of you might be just reveling in the mercy and grace in God in that you think, I didn't do any of that at all, and they still got saved anyway. Um, 
It's a, uh, one writer says this, we're a link in the chain, that is our privilege, but remember, only God can forge the next link. It's a bit like a tug-of-war of match. If you imagine there's eight of you tugging the rope this end, eight tugging the rope this end, and you're just one person in the chain, and you pull, and if you win the tug-of-war, you've played some part in it, haven't you? But it isn't like you were big and strong and therefore you won, because there was more going on than that. Uh, and it's a bit like that when it comes to faith with the children. So how, uh, the question is, how can we be a good link in the chain? Uh, so just some personal examples of the things that Jess and I tend to do. That doesn't mean copy them, but they're just <coughs> some of the specific ways that we uh, try to parent our children for faith. I'm sure there's many other great examples of things that you've done with your kids. Uh, one of the things we do is we talk openly about faith in Jesus and life with Jesus all the time. Jesus' name gets said a lot because he's part of day-to-day life. We're walking with him. And so where you might just be thinking things in your head, we try and prompt ourselves and give each other a nub, nudge to say things out loud and talk about faith out loud with them more often than we would do in typical conversation. We pray with them regularly. We pray with them in the car on the way to school. We pray with them at meal times. We pray with them at bedtime. We say, all of us go around the room. We say thank you to Jesus for whatever we're grateful for that day. So when we're coming to say thanks this morning, Sebi comes to Jess and says, Mum, I want to say thank you to Jesus for my new football boots that I got yesterday. Um, I didn't get a thank you for it yesterday, but God gets me. Jesus, no, I'm kidding. He did say thank you. <coughs> so praying all the time with our children. Sharing the Bible with them in various ways. This book, we got um, a series of books written by Sally Lloyd-Jones that are snippets of the Bible. Finding ways of including scripture in life. Sharing Bible verses in simple language in everyday moments reading the Bible together as a family, reading it with them individually. Uh, Being a good example of following Jesus yourself. Talking about the things that you're finding tough in your walk with God, as much as you're able to with children. And teaching them about things like counting the cost and being clear about this aspect of following Jesus, Sebi or Florence, I'm finding really hard at the moment because it means... I'm missing out on this. But it does mean this. And helping them learn to count the costs. Teaching them repentance. So whenever... (laughs) I mean, it's good for your own confession. But (laughs) Jess and I regularly repent out loud in front of the kids. Because it's good to see, isn't it? That they need to see what repentance looks like. And what humility looks like. Celebrating discipleship success. Like, we celebrate things like good parents' evenings. Because that's, that's good. They work really hard. They're at school all the time. But some of the biggest moments we celebrate is when they sacrifice things or when they repent properly with real humility or whether they share generously. You know, big discipleship moments where you think, my kid just learned to follow Jesus in a real significant way. And you go, yes! And you make a big, loud song and dance about it. You put a song on the TV and you dance to it and you make a big party about it. Because that's the thing you want to champion in your child. Is they've learned to grow to be more like Jesus. And I'm really up for Sebi being awesome at football. Um, But... (laughs) His chances aren't great, and genetically, it's not looking good for him. But it would be great if he was, but frankly, it doesn't really matter. But it does matter if he learns to grow in generosity, 
and repentance in love towards his sister, etc. So, just as one example. Sorry, I'm picking on him. That's unfair. <coughs> He's a great kid. Um, Isaac displayed faith by blessing his children at all. He showed he was convinced they would inherit the promised land. And Esau then pleads with him to reverse it and bless him. But Isaac says that this blessing was immovable and irrevocable. And this reveals that God is faithful. He's not predictable. Predictably, it would have gone to Esau. But it goes to Jacob. But God does fulfill his word, even if it's in surprising ways. He reveals his grace. He saves just because he saves. It's not because of anything about us. We just have to play our part in the tug of war. Pray teach keep praying and pray and pray some more Uh, the third thing is this pray god's promises (coughs) and blessings over our children isaac prayed for his children in line with god's promises in verse 3 he prays this uh, 28 verse 3 he prayed that they would receive god's promises his blessing his that they would be fruitful that they would increase in number in verse 29, he, he prayed prayers fueled by prophetic words spoken over his children. You can see those prophetic words in Genesis 25, verse 23, when God says Abraham's blessings will be on younger Jacob rather than older Esau. And so what um, Isaac does is he prays those prophetic words. He allows them to fuel his kind of prayer life. He rumin- lets them ruminate in his heart and he prays them over his children. Sometimes I think at the moment we can be a little bit self-defeating sometimes in the way that we talk about children living in the modern world. Like it's going to be really tough for them because there's so much about the gospel and current culture that seem at odds with one another and really great against each other. And I think the reality is is that whichever generation you grow up with, the church always faces challenges. And it's difficult to say really that they're greater than another in any generation. Um, (coughs) So we can... Um, be aware of it, but we want the prayers of our heart and the encouragement of our words to be faith-filled for our children to inherit the promises of God and be blessed in their lives. We want to pray for every spiritual blessing over them. We want to pray for them to be chosen and homely and blameless, to be adopted into God's family, to be re- know what it means to be redeemed by Jesus' blood. We want to pray for them to be forgiven, to know the forgiveness and mercy of God. We want them to experience his lavish grace, to receive an inheritance of the Holy Spirit for themselves. <coughs> we want to pray fruitfulness, don't we? We want to pray that they would know intimacy with God, that they would serve God with the gifts that they've got even now when they're young. Like, why can't we have children contributing in our meetings? with their faltering and stumbling words that seem perhaps narrow in perspective, but are the emergence of their gifts. So let's encourage, as Nigel provoked us, I heard last week, I haven't heard it yet, but I've heard of it. <laughs> you know, there's that kind of word. Um, let's encourage our children to bring their gifts and their contributions. If your child has got something to say, try and encourage them to share it or share it with them. <coughs> We want to pray for them to be hungry for God, for his kingdom to come. We want to pray that they would see many lives transformed with Jesus. We want to pray that their churches they are part of would be a blessing to the nations. 
We want to pray that they would know the privilege of being part of God's mission. We want to pray that they would know God's calling on all people to enjoy God's blessings in heaven. We want to pray for them to increase in number, like Isaac prayed over Jacob, that they would see revival in our nation. It's exciting hearing about Asbury. Like Revivals pop up in the Western world from time to time, and it's exciting to read of, and I want, you know, whatever's going on there to encourage me to continue praying because if you see the videos it's just a normal meeting nothing particularly special happens other than the fact that god the holy spirit turned up in incredible power that's all that happened and so what we want to do is pray it would happen here and all that happens is i go oh that's great here i want it here lovely asbury's miles away I'm never, I'm not going to get to Asbury. It's really busy here. <laughs> I'm not going to get there. I want it here. And the Holy Spirit to turn up here in power. Don't we? Yeah, we want that. We want that for our children that they would encounter the Holy Spirit in that way, that they would see many saved and added to the church for communities of people to spring up as a result of their witness. We want to pray f- prayers fueled by prophetic words spoken over our children or grandchildren. Perhaps you had words that were given to them. You heard prophetic words were given to you as parents or as grandparents about children. Let's pray those prayers <coughs> over them. Let's pray big prayers for our children here at Life Church. Let's pray for God to raise up from amongst those children apostles and evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers. Pray for them to plant churches here and in other nations. Let's pray for them to have a passion for Jesus that makes everything else in life feel as dim as it is. That's what we want to pray for them. Big prayers for our kids. Let's pray for the Hive building, that it would be a resource that enables us to serve children well and bear fruit. Parent and toddler groups, youth clubs, kids clubs after schools. (coughs) I heard recently of a you might have seen it because it came out in relational missions together thing and it's been in various news bloggy bits. Uh, there's a church in Sheringham called Life Church who've got a new building and um, they've been using their building to welcome in children who are in primary school but on the fringes and often attending and struggling because their reading age is a lot lower than their counterparts and so they're losing motivation and therefore their attendance is dropping and so on, and they're at risk of going into uh, referral units and so on because of their behaviour. And so what they've set up is something called Life Education. The two uh, former uh, primary head teachers have set up this uh, process of children, of schools sending in children. They have a one-to-one reader who reads with them. They play games, they have a snack and so on, and then they go back to school and the significant improvement they've seen in their reading ages has uh, spoken so much to the uh, schools that are sending children to them. What a wonderful thing for a church to be doing for children. We want to pray for initiatives like that that really impact the lives of children in our community. And this last thing before we pray. <coughs> it's never too late to bless. Despite all his failings, his sin, his foolishness, It wasn't too late for Isaac to be a blessing to his children for the sake of their future. Twice in chapter 26, God makes the same promises to Isaac as he did to Abraham. Isaac might be flawed, but that doesn't affect God's faithfulness. 
Isaac was flawed, foolish, sinful in many ways, but it didn't affect God's faithfulness. Isaac may have been blindly besotted by one son, duped by Jacob, but God was still pleased with the faith that he had that wanted to bless his children in the first place. And the fact he was convinced that God would bless them because of who he is. And God accepts Isaac and us, warts and all, because of our faith in him. We may have made uh, loads of mistakes, had a life full of sin, been foolish, but God is still faithful. And if by faith you're convinced that he wants to use you to bless children and grandchildren, to bless our children in there and those out there in the world, it's not too late to be a blessing to them. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus meets Zacchaeus and he calls him a son of Abraham because Zacchaeus was a small man. He was a liar who deceived people for his own gain. And if you remember, he was short-sighted, just like Isaac. But Jesus accepts him, warts and all, as a son of Abraham. And living by faith for our children means remembering that our acceptance and our usefulness begins with God. And therefore, you don't need to pretend you're better than you are. Because how God will use you to bless children is to do with your acceptableness to God by faith, not to do with you and how good you are.